Uh, welcome to today's episode. Today we have Christina Roland. Christina, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Absolutely amazing. How about you? Wonderful. Awesome. Why don't we start off the podcast with a uh, description of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. So I am a serial entrepreneur. I am a proud survivor of an abusive relationship with corporate America. And over the last 15 years, I have built multiple businesses, a couple since the pandemic, though, that have done particularly well. So I'm an entrepreneur in lots of different verticals, lots of different spaces, mostly focused on passive income and cash flow. Those are my favorite favorite things well what exactly do you do like okay passive income is good i want to touch upon that um and cash flow is obviously very important i think it's more Mm -hmm. important than almost anything i would agree with you yeah so i love that but uh you know so what what exactly is the business that that you're in like what what would be your main thing so first business that I built is in the financial services space. It was traditional brick and mortar, but I bootstrapped that one completely from the ground up. So no advertising dollars whatsoever and built that to 17 different locations, uh, 47 agents in 17 different States. And that was really excellent, really awesome and super fun to, to play around in that post 2008 uh playing that playground but after the pandemic hit we had some shifts we had to do some major shifts to bring all of that online and the things that i learned through that process helped me to create a an efficiency agency so now what i help business other business owners do is take their current systems and make them more efficient so some of that has to do with branding Um, So I have a a branding agency because a lot of it is communication over digital space. That's really, really important in a post-pandemic world, whether or not people know what you do and can figure out what you do. So there's that branding agency, but then also we have an efficiency agency where we look at systems that current business owners have in place and see where we can add in automation and AI so that it requires less effort from them. Gotcha. Okay. So you got two things on the go. What happened to the original business? So that's still going that, uh, and that's where it's like super passive, super passive income. It's really nice. It still runs. It takes about two to four hours a week of my upper level attention. So like really 30,000 foot view, but we have so many fantastic people in place that run the day-to-day operations and things like that. And my husband, my husband is kind of more in charge of that one. That's his, that's his baby. That's his first uh, business love. And he can just operate the personnel, which is his preference anyway, is, is to operate that way. And me in the more creative space, I like to solve, I like to solve problems. I like to solve puzzles. I think that's kind of why I ended up in financial services to a certain degree is everybody had this money puzzle, right? And everyone's was a little bit different and everyone was a little bit nuanced. So it was a new challenge every day. It was new and exciting stuff all the time, new people. And now I just do that in a different way. I do that for business owners so that they can experience either more time freedom or a higher revenue point with the exact same effort that they're putting in now. Right. Now, I want to touch upon the financial thing still sure. and the way that, because um, you were brick and mortar until the pandemic hit, you said, right? Yeah. Then you went virtual. Yes. So 
do you still have an element that is brick and mortar or has that com be completely depleted? Yeah, no. Um, so we do have a physical location that is required by, I understand that you're in Canada. Yes. Yeah. So I think it works the same way in Canada as it does in the U.S. where the governing bodies in the, the federal regulating authorities for the kind of work that we do, they do require a physical location. And so we do, we do have that. And some people pop in, pop out uh, from work, but most of the work is done remote at this point. So we have an office manager and staff there just in case people pop in and she checks mail and she does all of that kind of stuff. And we work from the office when we want to, but most of the time we don't want to. Most of the time we like to work from Wi-Fi. That's my favorite place to work from. So whether <laughs> it's um, whether it's the beach or Disney World or my backyard or just, you know, my home office, I can work from anywhere. And I love that. Gotcha. So now how did you get into the other business? I, I know like, mm -hmm. uh, like it's, it's one of those things I, I see the opportunity and I, I like how, uh, I, I could tell you're very, like you kind of, how, what's the, I'm trying to say something that seems like it's one of those things. I, I think you're similar to me in the way that you see something and it's like, you got to jump for whatever reason it's like it's like if, if it's too good of an opportunity you, can, you can't hold yourself back regardless of whether you want to should or not should you know what i mean like and then and then you find a space for it you find something great and then you make it work and make it happen and you're trying to explore new levels i mean correct me if i'm wrong i mean that's what i'm getting out of it and i'm kind of like that too no, absolutely. So I was, a, I was just talking about this today. I'm a, I'm a pretty multi-passionate individual. I like a lot of things, but I built my personal brand completely on values. Okay. And so there's one value in particular that is for me head and shoulders above the rest and that's freedom. So, um, and efficiency is in my top three of, of my personal core values. So when I see something that is either going to allow me to experience a higher level of freedom, whether that be my time freedom or my money, or for me at this stage in my life, emotional bandwidth. So if it'll help reduce stress and give me more freedom in that area, that's also something that I'm very interested in. And if it can be optimized, if it can be made more efficient, those are going to be opportunities that I naturally gravitate to. So I started building these systems of efficiency inside of my own business. So the marketing side of things came from me building a seven figure brand using only digital media, no ad spend, all organic. And I do a lot of networking around town. So, you know, I would, I would go to the chambers of commerce and I would, you know, meet nice people and do these networking events. And I kind of just developed this reputation in my little microcosm of, of my small businesses in my area that I knew how to build a brand on social. And so that was kind of a passion project for me on the side. And it really opened up post COVID because I optimized so many things inside of my brick and mortar business that it really only needed a couple of hours a week in order to run. So that's when I started taking on clients in the, the marketing and branding space so that they could experience similar results. And about a year and a half ago, I stumbled upon this AI called uh, Jarvis, which is not the best one 
for what it does now. It's a, it would generate copy for you. So it would generate text, whether that be emails or uh, social media posts or things like this. It's not the best one that was available, but I found out about that about a year and a half ago. And so I went on an absolute rabbit hole adventure trying to find ways to integrate AI and automation into both areas of my business. And I just tend to talk about it. And then people ask, well, can you do that for my business too? And that's, that's how all of these subsequent businesses were birthed. I just focused on solving my own problem and people saw that I could, I was solving my own problem with a high level of success and wanted to learn how I did that. So I just turned it into a side project. Gotcha. Now doing that, like, okay. So yeah, I, I love that. Like you, you pretty much did it for yourself and then things yeah. grew from there. Now, what was your biggest challenge throughout the whole thing? Not identifying as my profession. I feel like, you know, making an identity shift from being a quote unquote financial advisor, you know, and leaving myself room to be more than just what I had, more than just the box that I had put myself in. It was more of a permission thing for myself that was the hardest thing to overcome. It wasn't the technical, it wasn't any of the aspects of these businesses. Though that's pretty simple. It was just giving myself the permission to see myself through a more dynamic lens, like a wider lens. That was hard. Gotcha. Now, let me ask you something, you know, since you brought up that the permission thing, right? It got me to think, did you ever have imposter syndrome? All the time. Interesting. All the time. And I still do. It's something, you know, it's something that I, I keep at arm's length, but it's always trying to creep back in. And I heard, and I can't remember where I heard this, but I didn't, I didn't make it up. I didn't come up with this. I'm not taking any credit for it, but the idea that only people that are truly capable feel like they suffer from imposter syndrome. Interesting. People who don't have the potential don't get those same anxieties. They don't get those same doubts about themselves. And so if you have imposter syndrome, it's a good indicator that you're already potentially capable of the thing that you want to do. That's fascinating. I never thought of it that way. I, and I've never heard that one before. Like that's, and I, I'm just trying to think of the psychology behind that, right? Like, yeah. I, I guess if, if you don't really have the ability, you're just overcompensating maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You're not, you're only someone who's worried about delivering on the outcome is going to be worried about imposter syndrome. Yeah, you're right. Cause yeah. if you, if you don't have the capability, like, yeah. So I guess ego plays into that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I get it now. Love that. So, okay. So what was out of all, you got three businesses going, mm -hmm. which one? Well, we know the financial one doesn't take much of your time and it's really your husband's like sort of the, uh, the background on that for now. Yeah. Um, but out of the other two businesses, which one takes more time? Definitely the branding, definitely the, the branding coaching takes, because it's meeting with people in, on a, on an individual, like on a one-on-one -on -one basis and really digging into and getting them to articulate their own values. We dig into who their ideal client is starting with, do you like them um, kind of things. And so it, 
it's a very labor intensive process. That one, that one is a, a labor of love for me. Honestly, that's my passion project where I think small business solutions are the key to local economies. So if, if we're going to improve like quality of life overall, starting at a local level makes a lot more sense. And small businesses have the greatest economic impact at a local level, or at least they have the largest potential for good to impact at that local level. And so if I can help strengthen the small businesses in these communities, overall, the economy is going to do better there. Um, and so on the other side of everything, it's a lot more, it's a lot less interactive. It's show me your systems. I'll show you where they're uh, inefficient. And these are the AI and automation tools that are available to plug into that system. And because I'm not helping businesses develop systems, that's not something great businesses already have great systems. It's just about automating and offloading to AI, whatever can be delegated that way so that you don't have to do the mundane, repetitive, boring stuff. But once that is established, it really doesn't require a lot of maintenance either unless something better comes along as a, as a potential like AI solution. Right. Now, is there any resistance to uh, using artificial intelligence? Not for my clients. Like nobody makes it part of my, part of my brand is I built a shut up and take my money business. <laughs> People do not hit my DMS until they're ready to say, shut up and take my money. And that's just part of my process. I do not want to, I think well, as a business owner, like one of the hardest things to do is to overcome objections, right? From an emotional bandwidth perspective, it's not that you can't overcome your own objections. It's not that you don't know your, hopefully, it's not that you don't know your products well enough. It's not that you don't know the results that you're able to get for people well enough. That's not why. It's that it, it takes a lot of emotional and mental bandwidth to go, in verbal judo back and forth with somebody um, about about this. So I solve for objections in my content. And I say all the time, I have a shut up and take my money kind of brand. People only hit my DMs once they're ready to say shut up and take my money. And it's because I've proven well enough on the front end using my content that I know how to solve that problem. And so if this is the solution that they're looking for, they're going to reach out. If they're opposed to AI, which there are a lot of people who are opposed to AI, they never even reach out to me. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. You know what? I, okay. I guess you're catering to certain things and it's transparent. Well, and I, I really do think that the best way to overcome objections is to not get them in the first place. Interesting. Interesting. Very good. Interesting concept there. Um, and, and so I produce content and I build a brand in such a way that I avoid objections or I handle objections ahead of time so that it's not part of our discovery process. It's not part of the active conversation that I'm having with clients. They've already decided that they want to solve their problem and that they want me to help them to solve it by the time they hit my DMs. Well, let's, let's unpack that for a minute. Like, in terms of your content, I mean, I guess anyone can know by looking at it, but uh, yeah. it's one of those things like, like, like 
describe your process. Like how, how do you decide what to put out there, when to put it out there? Like, what does that content look like? I'm, I'm sure you don't just wake up and say, you know, what can I do and where can I go in the world and take a picture and post that on Instagram as if that's what it's going to do. I mean, we know yes. that's not, and like people just like, even I'm going to use real estate since I'm an agent. So many people sure. just go in front of a damn house and they take a picture of them in the house and say, Hey, look, my new listing is coming up next week, just listed, just sold, whatever. And like, woohoo, I'm in front of a house as if people don't know that a realtor goes to a house. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just like, it's to me, that's ridiculous marketing, r ridiculous it content. It is. Right. So it's ridiculous. It's, it's absurd. And so one, where you start is everything that you know about traditional marketing, you have to throw it out the window. Everything when it comes to social media or content marketing, here's why. At the very beginning, when somebody decided to download the app, when they decided I'm going to participate in this social platform, not a, every single one of them. And I know that you're gonna know that this is true when I say it, and you're gonna be like, why didn't I think of that? Every single person got involved in social media for connection. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to stay connected with friends and family. They wanted to stay connected over long distances. That's why when they signed up for their original platform, that's what they were intending to do. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't make a great marketing tool, a great business tool. But all content has to first and foremost adhere to the social contract, the terms and conditions that we all agreed on when we decided to participate in this platform together. Now, it wasn't anything that we consciously said to each other, and it wasn't anything that we had a conversation about, but it is the intention with which we downloaded the app or we set up the account. We set it up for connection. So I have a very specific recipe that I use in all of my content and with all of my clients' content that we adhere to. And 50% of that falls under the category of what I call story or scenario content. So telling a story, and it doesn't have to be like a, a once upon a time kind of story. It doesn't have to start like at the very beginning of your entrepreneurial journey or whatever journey you're on, and then conclude with where you are now. It doesn't have to be that. Any story is just an anecdote about there was a problem and then we found a solution. Okay. Problem solution. And so there's a, there is a recipe. There are seven different kinds of content that we put out all in different proportions. And the vast majority of it is set up in such a way to where it is just connection based. It's either telling a story or giving a scenario about a subject that is going to help them help your ideal client get to know you identify the problems that they're experiencing because most most people also don't have they don't know what their problems are they only know what their symptoms are like when you go to the doctor you go with a list of symptoms you don't go with a list of diagnoses huh. are you sure with the internet today people tend to look it up on google and well but even if you went to webmd <laughs> you went to webmd with a list of symptoms yeah that's true right? <laughs> and so people understand their symptoms. So what most people are doing when they're posting content to social platforms is they're posting content about their products and their solutions or their achievements. 
and no client actually gives a shit about any of those. Amen. Not a single one. Yeah. Like if you're if in the real estate space, I imagine there are a lot of realtors that listen to this podcast. Yeah. Oh, there's going to be a few. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let me, let me help out a little bit in that area. I work with a lot of realtors, a lot of them specifically because of um, how I run my financial services business. But I worked with a lot of realtors. You have to think like your client. Stop thinking like yourself. You have to sell like your client would. That, just that one shift, think about what they're interested in, not what you find cool about what you do. What's in it for them? And that's a great, that's a great place to start. That's a great place to start. Absolutely. Like I always say, you know, you wouldn't go up to somebody and I wouldn't say, hi, uh, Chris, you know, I'm John. I know I'm a, an award winner, you know, top 1% of Canada. I, I do 400 homes a year. I uh, win awards every year. I drive a BMW and a Lamborghini and I have a home in, uh, in, uh, in uh, New York. I have a home in Toronto. I have a home in Florida. I uh, won 50,000 rewards in, in the last six months and I'm up coming for another award. I'm going to be uh, you know, champion of the year. So why do their advertisements sound like that? Right. Well, and I, I have an anecdote that even goes a step further than this that makes it even more absurd. <laughs> yeah, okay? Because in sales, that makes, you know, we're, we're salespeople. So it's like, eh, people have a hard time seeing the line. But if I were a nurse and I walked up to you like at a dinner party and started describing to you what it's like to be a, a, an ER nurse. Hi, my name is Christina Roland and I am a... Uh, I'm an RN and just today I had somebody come into the ER bay and we had to, you know, get them prepped for amputation and we had to scrub out this wound. And let me tell you about how I do a full E catheter and just like going into all of this detail. <laughs> if a nurse did that, you would look at them like, oh my gosh, this person is unhinged. And I can't believe that they came to me and started spewing all of, like, nobody asked. And that was way too much. That This is an overshare, all of these different things, right? And that's what, unfortunately, most, that's the effect that most people, when they're putting content out without a plan, are doing to their audiences. And your audience, they're not going to tell you hey, I really don't like this. They're just not going to buy and they're not going to buy in and they're not going to convert. And most people, they are. They're just, they're posting what would go on a billboard or on a website or on an advertisement. And that violates the social contract that we have here in this space. And because of that, they're poisoning their well and when they go to dip their bucket in and they wonder why they get nothing out of it, well, that's why. And nobody had the guts to tell you. So I am telling you this yeah. is what's happening. That's funny. And, and it's true, right? Like a lot of times people uh, will try something and uh, they'll do it like four or five times. They don't uh, skyrocket their sales as they would use the term yeah. and then decide it's not that they're doing it wrong. It's whatever platform they're using doesn't work. Yes. And 
it, it's not always so much about the, pl- there is, there is a good amount about the platform. So there's what I call um, platform and culture. You have to make sure that you understand what each platform is built to do. Um, like YouTube and TikTok, those are attention getting platforms. How do I know that? Because the algorithm allows for it. The algorithm is set up in such a way that somebody with a brand new TikTok account or first time posting YouTube, they could get a million views or more. The algorithm allows for that. It's for getting attention. Facebook and Instagram are nurturing platforms. This is where people get in-depth information. This is where people, you cannot, you cannot get a massive amount of attention on Facebook. The algorithm doesn't allow for this. If you have a regular profile, your viewers, your friends or followers, they're all, only a certain percentage of them are going to see it. And you're maxed out at 5,000 friends. So if 10% is the maximum inside of the algorithm, only 500 people are ever going to see that. So utilizing the right platforms to do the right things at different stages in the funnel, that is another way that you could optimize efficiency for posting. Like I know that my attention ROI on a TikTok is going to be a hundred times what I get from a cold call. And I know that a video is going to be 10x a cold DM. So cold calls are less efficient than cold DMs. Cold DMs are less efficient than cold video posting. So what I, that's what I do is I look at if I'm going to spend this five minutes, either making a call, post, sending a DM or making a post, which one, which activity is going to get me the biggest ROI on my involvement, my return on involvement. Am I going to get a hundred X or am I going to get one X? Well, I'm definitely not doing the one X activity. I don't care who your coach is that says you got to make a hundred calls a day. Like, I don't care who they are. They don't, don't listen to them. <laughs> I guarantee you they sold a lot of houses a long time ago and they haven't built a business in a post pandemic world. Right. So brings up the next point here. What is like, look, two things I got out of this. Sorry. I'm about to, I'm trying to ask two questions all in one. (laughs) Um, So question number one is going to be is um, for each platform, obviously you're going to do something different. It's not like you're going to do one video and post it across all the platforms. You can, it's better than posting no videos. True. Okay. But what would the right thing be? <laughs> the right thing to do is to understand the, the the culture of that platform. Okay. So for example, I will have I have the video that goes out on TikTok. It has phrasing along with it. If I'm gonna move that to reels, people will read a longer caption in reels than they will on TikTok. So I'm going to put that same video, but I'm going to put a caption attached to it 
where people are going to get more in-depth information because that's what they're going to expect on Instagram. On Instagram, they don't want a teaser for attention. They want the whole, they want the whole recipe. They want everything associated. Um, long form content you can do on YouTube. YouTube, you can do up to like 10 minutes is pretty optimized. So you can provide a lot of education. You can provide a lot of value that way. And if you wanted to take that same video, you can chunk it up into 30 second little micro mini clips, put that on TikTok. So it's not always about making different content for each platform than it is delivering that content in such a way that that platform is going to respond as best it can because we were thoughtful about what that platform is looking for. Gotcha. Now, in general, who is your target customer? Like, who do you, well, I wouldn't say who do you seek yeah. out because some people are going to seek you out. But sure. if you had to describe your avatar of like who you are and what, what you know, clientele you're after, what would it be? People who are passionate about experiencing higher time freedom. And they're entrepreneurs because they wanted freedom. Absolutely. Like, that's how they ended up being entrepreneurs in the first place. So entrepreneurs and business owners who want to have, they, they don't want work-life balance. They want work-life integration. They don't necessarily feel like work has to be everything. They're probably burned out on hustle culture right now. And they might not, they might even have a business that even if it's successful by traditional metrics, every other day they're thinking about burning it down because it's so much to operate it that instead of owning a business, their business owns them. Gotcha. Now we've talked about your uh, pain points and uh, what led you to this. What would you say would be your uh, biggest success? Like that moment where you just kind of felt at peace, where you knew you were exactly where you were supposed to be. Yeah. It was the first time I turned off my alarm. First time you turned off your alarm. Yeah. Like I, I had an alarm that I, because I was doing things the way that everyone said to do. You have to get yourself up at the ass crack of dawn and you have to hustle, hustle, hustle all day long. And you, you don't have a nine to five. You have a five to nine because you're an entrepreneur and because you're a business owner and you pour everything that you have into your business first. Right. And I remember the first time that I unscheduled my alarm from my phone because I was going to wake up softly the next morning. And I had, I had been already prioritizing. I have three, what I call needle moving activities. You know, the Pareto principle. I've heard it. I vaguely remember it. (laughs) um, So you get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts. Yeah. And the other uh, 80% of efforts only produce 20% of the results. Yeah. So I had up until this point been trying to figure out what the three things are that are needle moving activities in business. The three things that I need to do every day that are going to get me that 80% of the results that I'm looking for. And I had finally dialed that in, but I was still going through the motions of what everybody had told me was going to make me a successful entrepreneur. And I finally one day just said, you know what? It's working my way. 
I'm going to turn off this alarm. And that's when I started living my life. And I know that it feels like it's a small moment, but it meant a lot to me. That was when I really felt like I had done something amazing for myself. That's amazing. That's a great story. I mean, I get that point now. You're right. And again, 80%, you know, 80%. Yeah, I like that 80-20 rule. I love that. That There are three activities that you could do every day that are going to produce 80% of the results in your business. And 20% of your clientele are going to make you 80% of your money. Yes. And so that, that distribution is true in any, like, in any part of our physical nature, in any part of our reality, that ratio shows up. So then it just became a question of what are the three things for my business that are going to get me 80% of my results? Because they're different for every, there, there's some similarities, but the combo is, it can be different for anybody. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Love that. So in light of time, we're going to get down to the last couple of questions. Then we're going to get into what I call the lightning round. Sure. So actually, I'm going to make it three questions. You got Um, it. Third question is going to be, how do you know you've had a successful day? Do more people know that I'm in business today versus yesterday? Great answer. That's it. That is the one metric that I actually give a shit about. Love it. So second last question is going to be, what would you say for up and coming entrepreneurs who are aspiring to achieve their, uh, you know, most potential and are not sure where to begin? I think the best businesses are the strongest build businesses are built on values. So if you can figure out what your top three core values are as a person and use those as the boundaries for your business, the foundation for that is going to be so solid that in 10 years, you're not just going to have a great business, but you're going to enjoy operating it. Because I see a lot of people that start building businesses just based on whatever advice they get externally. And 10 years later, they've built this, they've climbed the ladder only to find out that it was leaning against the wrong building and that they actually have a business that they don't enjoy operating but now it, it's almost like the golden handcuffs of the entrepreneurial world, right? When it's producing a certain amount of income and it has a certain level of success, you show up because you have to. Yeah. But I just, I don't, if I had to go back and do it again, I would start with me in mind and my values. Cause I'm going to be the one operating this thing forever and make sure that I set my future self up for success. I love that last answer. You know what? That that those points touch upon so many people, especially the part that, you know, sometimes you wake up 10 years later and realize you're in the wrong place or you know you're leaning up against the wrong wall. You know what? That I I think anybody who's a true entrepreneur has done that at some point in their life. Yeah. Um I think anyone who says that never happened to them is because they're still leaning on the wrong tower. They just don't realize it. Or they're lying to you because they're trying to sell you something. Yeah. It, well, they're that too, right? So love that. <laughs> Last question. But not least, <laughs> where not, do people find you? Uh, 
anywhere on social media, to be, to be honest. If they want to be entertained, they can find me on TikTok. So at underscore the pretty penny. That's where I am on both TikTok and Instagram. Those are both of my handles. And uh, on Facebook, if you just search Christina Roland, it's Christina with a K, not a C-H. I am public as all get out. So um, if they're looking to connect directly, Facebook is probably the best place to do that. If you want to be entertained, TikTok is there. Um, and I do have a YouTube channel coming out soon, which I'll make sure to get you the details on. Fantastic. Love that. Let's get into the lightning round. So just a few questions, just personal questions, fun questions, nothing sure. uh, overwhelming. We're going to start off with uh, what is your favorite food and why? Oh, my favorite food is arroz con frijoles negro, which is black beans and rice. Interesting. In English. That is, um, that is my ultimate childhood comfort food. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. So it's done from there. Yep. All right. Black favorite. Beans and rice, really simple. It really is simple. Delicious. Very simplistic, right? Yep. So, and it's something I think everybody's had. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, favorite travel spot? Oh, gosh. Munich, Germany. That's interesting. Yeah. Which is weird because I did, I did three weeks in Europe the first time that I went to Europe. And we were in Germany and Brussels and Par uh, so France and then Italy. And I definitely thought either France or Italy would be my favorite. But Munich was hands down. And all of Southern Germany in general was hands down my favorite place to be. Gotcha. I would, I would love to go there anytime. Interesting. All right. Favorite book or podcast? Oh, ooh, the food. Okay. It's the food. Okay, the there food you go. It is next level good. Name a dish that you had there that made that started it off right. Oh my gosh. What's it called? I'm going to butcher this. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. So, uh, they're called Spitz Boobin Cookies and it means little rascal, okay? So what it is is a it's a cookie sandwich with like raspberry or some kind of like almost tart jelly jam inside of it. And it's a cross between a shortbread and a sugar cookie. So it's a little bit sweet, but a lot buttery. Interesting. And yeah, and it's a sandwich cookie. And then they put powdered sugar on the top. So that's that was my favorite thing to eat there. But they also had this like roast dish, this this roast beef dish, kind of almost like a um, short rib or something like this. Right, right. Swivel roast rotten something. That's, I'm butchering it. I know enough, like my Deutsch is there schlecht. I can say that my, my German is very bad. And then people talk to me in English. That's Funny. not my, I'm romance <laughs> languages. Not, not, not German. That's not. Gotcha. My strong suit, but. All right. Favorite podcast or book? Favorite podcast. Is it bad that I don't actually listen to nope. a ton? Um, I, I love I love a Joe Rogan podcast if I'm being perfectly gotcha. honest. Um, just the quality and depth of people that you can be exposed to. I also really like Impact Theory. Uh, okay, um, Bill U does a great job yes. on Impact yes. Theory, and I will listen to anything that Alex Harmozy puts out. So interesting. There's there's him him too. My my favorite book. 
That's, oh, you might as well have asked me for to like pick a favorite child. <laughs> All right, we'll do that next. Well, no, <laughs> just not, kidding. Uh... <laughs> my favorite, my favorite personal development book is uh, Twelve Rules for Life. Okay, by Jordan Peterson. Gotcha. Canadian guy. Yep. So, there you go. Awesome. Okay, last but not least, if you had unlimited amount of money, but mm. you had 48 hours to spend, what would you do? Because what you spend, you get to keep. What you don't gets taken away. I would buy a real estate investment trust <laughs> or as many as they would sell to me. Gotcha. Or I, like a syndicate conglomerate a REIT yeah awesome I love how you went right to real estate yeah like one anything where I could get a bundle on real estate that's what I would do awesome love that which is so my passive income getting all the way full circle mostly comes from short term rentals so that's, that's something that we've, uh, my husband and I have diversified into in uh, the real estate space is the passive income that's produced through short-term rentals. Well, let me ask you, how passive is it? Well, that, it was a lot <laughs> less, it was a lot less passive before I built um, a chat bot for each of my properties. Right. So I, I built a chat bot for each of my properties. This is something that's brand new. Okay. This is another, this is an offshoot of the third business, but we um, have designed and developed a software that's a drag and drop system for training bots. So you don't actually have to communicate with it. You can drag in PDFs, Excels, and you can even train it using URLs. And so for each of my properties, I have a chat bot that everybody gets from booking and it helps with planning. So it has itineraries. It has all of my rules for my house. It has the local hospitality websites and all of these things. So all of my guests, they just chat with my chat bot. And if the chat bot ends up with a question that they don't know that, that it isn't been trained on or programmed with, then it kicks it to me. And so I saved probably two to four hours per guest per property in back and forth. When is check-in and what is there to do? And, you know, can you tell me about events in the area or find me a good restaurant or something like that? So it used to be a lot less passive than it is for me personally now. And it was a lot more passive. I thought it was going to be more passive than it ended up being. Yeah, I, I purposely asked that question being in the business, right? Because everyone says, yeah. I want to get in real estate because it's so passive. And my uh, comments always ask someone, you know, that's a landlord and ask them how passive it is. Well, and and, gonna, and, and yeah. the thing is, you're, you're utilizing AI, just like you said in the beginning, yeah. in a way to make it a lot better. But I mean, it's not 100% passive, but like you said, it, you've got it, got it to a point using this where it's almost there like almost on you know it's really close so that's kudos to you for figuring that part out thanks yeah um i think it's going to help a lot of people because like you said you get into real estate and and for realtors also um so we've trained a couple of bots for realtors as well 
to send out their listings and things like that instead of using an MLS drip campaign or, or things like this. They can just ask. I have, I need a three bedroom, two bath in this code, in this price range. And the bot just gives them all of their properties that are in that space. I think a lot of times real estate is a very attractive vertical because it has a lot of passive potential, but it's yeah. a lot less passive than we think. And so using AI to do the things that it can do so that you can do the things that only you're capable of doing. That's what I see AI as. It's not a replacement for you, but it can enhance the work that you get to do because you can focus on activities that only you're qualified to do or you really love to do about your business and delegate all of the rest of it without having to worry about whether or not it's getting done. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that. That's the, that's the thing, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, and that's the way we're supposed to live. Like we, yes. everyone tries to do everything and what ends up happening is you end up doing all the crap you don't want to do and not just the crap you don't want to do the stuff you're not even good at. Right. And then you get backlash because you're not good at what you're doing. Right. And then uh, you're upset that you're getting the backlash and you will ask yourself why you're doing it. And you're missing out on the key components of doing the stuff you actually want to do, which is the reason you got into the business. Right. Well, and it's most, it's usually like the helping people stuff. Yep. Most people got into business to help who they used to be, right? They had a problem. They solved that problem for themselves and they brought that solution to market just in case other people could benefit from that same expertise. Yeah, exactly. And so if you can automate the mundane, repetitive, boring stuff that doesn't really need you in order to get done and just focus on the things that you love, that you're passionate about, the helping people aspect of it or whatever it happens to be for you, that to me, like that's, that's where you have a business that you never need a vacation from. That's a business that you can integrate into your life because it just feels like living to you instead of another nine to five but a self-imposed nine to five. Yeah, exactly. Love that. Christina, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been so fun. It's been a delight. Let's uh, definitely keep in touch. Absolutely. I hope everybody has a wonderful rest of their day whenever they're listening to this. If you like what you saw, subscribe to the link below.